Hey, right, what's up, Four One Squad? Welcome back to another Let's Talk Business Series with your host Tay Tay. And like I said, we're back with our Let's Talk Business Series, where we're going throughout the entire DMV and giving y'all the inside tips and trips tricks on how to start any of the business you guys may see. For today, we're jumping right into the eyelash industry, but this company is setting themselves apart by implementing vegan beauty aspects. Now, the most shocking thing for me, many companies do not offer a vegan beauty product only due to the speculation of the outside cost that expected when creating those products. But without further ado, let's give it up for the founder and CEO of Kegs Official, Alyssa. <laughs> And before we even get started, I'd like to thank you for coming on today. I, I appreciate you for coming on today. I appreciate the invite. It was a lot. I, I love the opportunity. Yeah. Before, I, But <laughs> even before we start talking about your company and everything, or even the industry, I first wanted to talk about your beginning and how everything even got started. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I went to Stevenson University, and I was majoring in business communication. I always had a knack for business. And I guess you could say I'm good with my words. I know how to sell things to people. I just always had that natural charm to me ever since I was younger. And I knew I wanted to do something with business. I also always had a passion for beauty. Anybody who knew me at school knew I always had full glam on, lashes, a full nine yards. I would actually do some people's makeup before going out to parties or going out to clubs, stuff like that. I would even have people come to my room and I would put lashes on them. And when I graduated in 2020, it was the pandemic. It was crazy and it opened up my eyes to the reality of adulthood. It's not easy. You really got to make a way for yourself. And leaving Stevenson, I was president of a women's organization, Women of Resilience, Financial and Humility. But I was also a mentor was um, Deer Park Magnet Middle School. So with those two combined, I never really wanted to give up helping other people find their way. So when I became a writer for Women of Lynn, which is also another women's empowerment organization centered around entrepreneurship, I started feeling like this is how I'm going to be able to do it. And when I joined the mentorship program, I actually won the Go-Better Scholarship. And it really just put into perspective, okay, this is for me. So I launched uh, May 13th of this year. And ever since then, I feel like I just, I just been blessed. And I have I started actually, doing makeup. Like what age did you first start doing makeup? Late. Um, so when I was real little, I was a girly girl. I wore Barbie heels. <laughs> I used to wear my mom's lipstick. I would get in trouble. My sister was always getting me in trouble. And then I went through this tomboy phase. That lasted a very long time, and I still have that tomboy heart, but I do love to get glam. I didn't pick makeup back up until I was about 18. 18. I was going to prom, yes. I was going to prom, and I didn't want to spend the money to get my makeup done. So I was trying to learn how to do makeup. I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to do lashes. I didn't even know how to put foundation on myself. So I wanted to be... What'd you say? So doing a little, like, so when you, when you was practicing and stuff, was you practicing on, like, yourself? Or did you have, because, like, yes. I saw my cousin when I, he was going to cosmetology school. They had those little dolls that they was working on. They, they do. And when I was younger, I didn't know anything about this stuff. 
I didn't know anything. I went on YouTube to look up how to put on foundation. I didn't even know how to put foundation on. I thought you used it with your hands. I didn't know there's brushes and sponges and all of this. I knew absolutely nothing because since I grew up essentially one of the boys, none of the guys I grew up with were putting on makeup. So I was on my own. My mom doesn't really wear makeup like that. And my sister, she wore makeup, but we were never really close like that. So I just had to learn it myself. And once I started, I didn't want to stop. So then what would you say was one of the, what made you progress so fast with doing makeup and eyelashes and things of that sort? A lot of individuals that start at 18 still struggle when they're 19, putting together that prom stuff. Because I don't know a lot of individuals when it comes to prom or homecoming. I don't know anybody who does their own personal makeup. They always try to find some outside source to do their hair and everything. But what you would say helped you progress and other than just YouTube? Like, did you, did you work on... Somebody told me that for them, makeup is like art for them. And then they do it for fun. So is you, would you say something like that I, for you? That's exactly what it is for me. So when I first started... I wanted to be more feminine because I was always, when I was younger, I used to, some people used to call me a boy because they didn't know. My hair was really short and I used to dress like a boy. And as I got older, boys didn't talk to me because they thought that I wasn't interested in men. So I wanted to be more feminine. I wanted to be the best at makeup. So I started with eyeshadow. And eyeshadow, there's so many possibilities. Once I started to get in the hang of it, that's when that passion started because I realized you can change the face of your shape of makeup. You can change the shape of your eye. You, it's all an illusion. But at the same time, the makeup that you see is only beautiful because of the face underneath. That's why I tell people everyone's beautiful because no matter what makeup look you do, it only fits because of your face. Because one makeup look is not going to look the same on a celebrity like Nicki Minaj. It's not going to look the same on Cardi B. They have a different face shape. They're different complexion in terms of their undertones and stuff like that. A lot of things go into makeup that people don't realize. It really is an art. And it's something that you can perfect. So then when you realize you had this passion, a lot of people struggle with that. It's always that one moment in life where you finally push yourself and say, actually, I want to do this business or start that business. What pushed you to say, like, you know what, forget, like, forget it. I'm actually going to do it. Like, I'm going to put my money into it. I'm going to put my time and effort to it. I'm going to take away from other things and actually focus on that. What was that turning point for you to say, I'm going to start Kegs Official? I think for me, I always wanted to be my own boss. Ever since I was younger, everyone always said I was very bossy. I like things a particular way. When any job that I had, I always moved into a leadership position, training position, something where I kind of had a head role. And I think for me, coming out of school and having less opportunity because a lot of places were closing down, they were downsizing, and there wasn't as many opportunities as a graduate. If I can't find a way, I'm going to make a way. And if that's becoming my own boss and being an entrepreneur, then that's the way I'm going to do it. Because the thing about entrepreneurship, you got to have that passion and that drive. Otherwise, it's not going to take off. Because people are going to see you when you're doing it for money and not out of something out of your heart. So I always had this passion. I knew, okay, it's time to actually take it into reality instead of just a dream or an idea. I, I, no, I love, I love that because the, the biggest thing for me, I think the hardest thing a lot of other individuals have to understand, being an entrepreneur means that you have to balance your own life 
and the life of the business at the same time, which can also be hard because if you're going through anything that's mental or physical, that can reflect on the actual business. But I'm glad that you actually brought that up about having a passion for a business because I actually had someone on, uh, I actually had an individual who was on the podcast, but he only sold clothes because he wanted to make the money. Like he was, at first he was strictly only about making money. Like he said, that um, he, he just slapped the design on a t-shirt and started uh, selling them. But he came in like what? He said that he was, he lost about $3,000 within the first two to three months of trying to operate and sell the t-shirts. So I always tell everyone, if you do, please, please, for the love of God, if you do not have a passion for, for, for an item or for that business, do not just try to start one because you think you're going to make money. That's not mm-hmm. how it's going to work. But I was going to say, mm-hmm. how, so you started doing a very hard period, which was the pandemic when it first happened. When you first started your business, did you have any growing pains when first starting and not being, did you not have access to certain materials or access to certain people as you would if it was a regular period in time? Well, so when the pandemic hit, I just started doing kind of freelance makeup. So of course, now that everybody's inside, people weren't getting their makeup done. The only thing I was still doing was wedding makeup. And that's when I realized, I think doing makeup application, having clients, wasn't necessarily something that I was passionate about. Because a lot of people like soft glam, but like natural glam. I like to do something that kind of gets me thinking outside the box. But not everybody's comfortable with that. So when it came to me joining the mentorship program with the woman of Lynn, I realized, well, if I have a passion for makeup, I may as well sell the product. And it was about a year in the making. I started, I would say, designing my business in 2021. And in 2020 was when I was like really thinking about it, but I was I wasn't confident in myself to do it yet. I really wasn't. I was second guessing everything. And I also think that people around me were not the right people to have. And that goes that plays a large role too. Because when you have the right people around you, you have that support and you feel more willing and more confident to put yourself out there. Uh, so 2020 to 2021, I wasn't really surrounded by people that were pushing me to do it. It was kind of, I was still in my little box. But like I said, once I actually started sitting down and thinking about it, I realized it's, it's possible. I can do this and I'm going to do it. Um, in terms of with the pandemic, I do think it, it makes things a little more difficult because a lot of people don't know shipping is still delayed around the world. doesn't matter if you're getting something in the United States. I think the only place that's been consistent is literally Amazon. There is sometimes I mean to get a package from U.S. Postal Service. I don't see it for a month, and I'm supposed to get it within a week. So it really depends on where you're sourcing things and where you're getting it from and where you're shipping things to. Um, but I would say the main roadblock is shipping. That's always the thing. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it's kind of like a fine line. Between, there are people that support you in what you do, but maybe what you're doing isn't them. And I understand that. I have friends who do not wear lashes. I don't expect them to shop my brand. 
just a repost, a follow, that's good enough. But then there are people who I've had people unfollow me once I launched my brand. I've had people stop talking to me. And I thought it was kind of weird because that's just blatant. You don't respect what I do. So when it comes to that, it's kind of hard to know when to take it personal and when to not. Because I'm the type of person, I love to support other people. I'm all about opportunity. So when I don't get that in the term, it's kind of like, you know who I am as a person. Why aren't you trying to put me onto the same thing? But I think that goes into a sense of entitlement because just because you do this for someone else doesn't mean they have to do it in return. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And when it comes to family, oh my God, my family, they, they know I got something going on, but they just stay out of it because they are not into makeup. They are, I'm, a little bit of a black sheep. I'm really into glam. I'm into fashion. They are not about it. So I'm just doing my thing. For me, just them acknowledging that I have it going on is fine because I never really expected them to be out here like trying to help me sell my, my lashes or to purchase from me. Especially since most of the family members I'm close to are men and they, they don't make up. So yeah, that's why, because, well, even have, have you, so I did a little research. And I was this is going to transition to about the whole communications and marketing thing. But I did a little research and I found out that more than half of the CEOs and founders that we have in the United States of America actually decided that they, they didn't want to go to college and they just stuck with that. Even some of them didn't even have a high school diploma or a GED. Mm-hmm. But for you, do you think that going to college helped you grow your business? And but specifically, since you said it was about communications and things of that sort, how do you feel as though in the industry now a lot of brands is not targeting the LGBTQ community? Yes. Um, one thing I noticed with working at Ulta, anytime you see a beauty campaign, you're seeing women, predominantly women. And for the most part, until Fenty came around, it was only white women being represented. And if it was someone of a deeper complexion, it didn't go past really a medium skin tone. You would see here and there someone with a deep skin tone, but it wasn't often. And along with that, you still see a lot of beauty campaigns. You don't see men being represented. You don't see trans people being represented. You don't see non-binary individuals being represented. So for my brand, I'm going to make sure everyone feels like they have a place. And I know right now it's predominantly women that are being shown. But I think that LGBT. TQIA plus community is still very underrepresented. I feel like there's still a long way to go in terms of them having representation and also respect. I can't tell you how many times um, men um, or trans or non-binary makeup artists would come into Ulta to buy products and there would be other customers side-eyeing them. I worked with a male makeup artist and there were some customers that didn't want his assistance because they didn't believe a man should be wearing makeup. And it's really crazy. And then to go back to CEOs not going to college, um, like I said, when it comes to drive and passion, you don't need school. If you know what you're doing and you do the research, that's the beauty of the time we're living now. Everything is that it's in your phone, really. You can Google it. You can even go on Google Scholar and look up scholarly articles related to business. For me, I think the only way that school helped me was having the structure with deadlines, time management, but also it helps me network and get to know people. If I didn't go to school, I probably, 
Annapolis is criminal, but it is very conservative to a degree where, like I said, the LGBTQIA community isn't really respected. Um, and I do feel as though it's not as open to, I guess, just people in general. So going to school kind of helps me to be around other people who weren't just rich white people. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I was going to say, because I know a lot of individuals who actually struggle with that. And then for, but my biggest thing, you have like, I feel as though the, the makeup industry also follow a lot of trends in what's selling. So that's mm-hmm. why when, once I saw you said vegan beauty, I was so shocked by that because I know a lot of the major companies are only putting out a vegan beauty product or about to start putting out LGBTQ product only because they want to appeal to that market just to make money mm-hmm. off of them. But for in terms of your business for the actual eyelashes and everything, is it a higher cost? Like, do you hand make all of them and source all the material and put them together? Or do you have a third party company that guarantees that all the source material is for, has a vegan aspect or component to it? So I go through a third party. The hardest part is finding someone is really the vetting process. Because you will have vendors, companies, whatever, advertising foamic, which, I mean, it's synthetic fibers. The problem is when you go to get their menu or their list of products, it's real mink. So then you have to ask them, no, I don't want mink. I want real mink. Because everybody's advertising real mink, real mink. And even bigger brands, Heart is one of the only ones I can think of off the top of my head that's completely vegan with lashes, foundation, and concealer. There are brands that have some vegan products, but it's still a growing industry. And I think when it comes to vetting, it's ensuring you have to know Silk isn't considered vegan. We may say, oh, well, we have silk lashes. It's technically not a vegan product. So when it comes to really beauty in general, I feel like you got to know the ingredients. You got to know the materials because I'm going to a vendor and they're trying to sell me foaming lashes, but they're not. I I don't want to falsely advertise. And especially when it comes to color mink lashes, it was a lot harder. Obviously, the cost for color the foamic ones are a little bit higher. It was harder to find foamic lashes that had a touch of color that didn't look like plastic. And that's the hardest part with trying to get foamic lashes. Some of them look very cheap. They feel cheap and they do not last. Long. Have you been have you experienced a lot of scamming in this industry so far with finding those or sourcing those materials? No, but only because I always do my research, and that's why I recommend to anybody. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, you have to do your research. Do your research on the person you're buying from. Make sure they're accredited. You don't want to just go online. I know some people have found vendors or businesses on Instagram even, but you always do your research because that's the easiest way to get scammed. Easiest way. And you have to ask questions. If you're asking questions and they don't have an answer to it, that's the biggest red flag that they don't know what they're doing. So then since, so I want to put it together. So since you recently just started, like you said, around, you said around 18 years, correct? When you was 18 years old? Yes. Yeah. So being that we're around, we're in our 20s, right? A little, a little, uh, a younger uh, Yeah, I'm I'm a little older. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. So, but how did you, how long did it take you to learn the additional side? What 
because you looking because individual can just look at a lash and say I want to sell the lash, but you took it deeper by going into all the specific materials that are used and then comparing the different materials that will suffice for the quality that you're looking for. How did you learn that? Because I know it's going to be hard to find that information on YouTube. Like, what type of research did you do to dig deeper into the lash oil makeup industry to find those specific type of materials that will prove to, have, to be 100% vegan? Honestly, working in the industry was a big way for me to learn a lot. When I first started um, working in Ulta and kind of as a makeup artist, I didn't know the difference really in the quality of faux mink versus mink. And just in general with makeup, I didn't know, well, what's the difference between a liquid and powder when it comes to foundation? I knew like the consistency is different, but how does it actually vary in terms of ingredients? YouTube can be helpful. Google can be helpful. But like I said, it's kind of like you have to utilize all your resources. And if you know somebody who does lashes, like I know a couple who do lashes, it always asks people who are already in the industry. They will tell you straight up how it is. They're not going to try to sugarcoat or gatekeep for the most part, unless you're asking them for the same exact vendor that they have or something like that. Usually people who are already started, they want people to succeed as well. There's room for everybody. And I think something that's underrated is just simply asking questions. Yeah, because I feel know. as though a lot of people have a sense of entitlement. Or a lot of people, mm -hmm. I feel as though a lot of entrepreneurs have this I can do it all by myself mentality, in which I think that a lot of us need to get rid of. Because I think the most powerful thing for an entrepreneur is that network that's surrounding them and the availability of the network that they have. Because, for like, for example, I, you can, like I told my friend, you can start a podcast, it'll be all fun and great, but finding all the guest stars to be on the podcast, finding trending topics, being able to talk about those things, that is going to be hard. So you're going to have to reach out, pull individuals, and not everyone is going to say yes. But I wanted to transition to focus into the marketing aspect of the makeup slash beauty industry, because I noticed that over the recent years, TikTok, Instagram... All the influencer apps are on the up and up, meaning that like now, you know, Instagram, man, you can get paid using Instagram and it mm -hmm. getting paid through TikTok now. How has your company been using that effectively? Because I, I have seen some of your TikToks that I've seen that the individual is able to post. And for myself, for I have a, my YouTube channel, my, my, my main page now, Reels and all the TikToks was mm -hmm. giving me faster than me actually posting up anything else on which I found out based upon the algorithm. But for your company specifically, how did it help you? Reels is number one on Instagram. I would tell everyone and their mother, if you want to grow anything, use Reels because Instagram prioritizes that. They're trying to get on the TikTok wave. TikTok, I'm not even going to lie. I feel like an old head trying to use it. I've had a couple people try to help me. I don't know why it's so hard for me to understand but trying to do like the transitions and stuff like that. I've made so many TikToks during my drafts because I'm a perfectionist. It's not up to my standard. And I really don't have TikToks on my business page. It's something I'm still working on. I know the brand investors I have, they are killing it when it comes to TikToks. That's the thing. They're micro influencers. So that's why I chose them to be a part of my brand. But when it comes to Instagram, me translating their TikToks into a reel is a simple way to not only get people to view my page, but it gets them, it helps them out as well. So a little tip is if you have Instagram, if it has a watermark on it, they're not going to push it out if 
um, who has the TikTok on the mark. So if you take a TikTok, if you copy the link, it has to be public. Copy and paste the link, or copy the link, sorry. Go to SnapTick, put it in, and it'll take the watermark off. The only thing is, it tends to have a little bit of a lag. So sometimes you have to do a little editing to get it to look more like natural. But that's what's been working for me. And I will tell you, Reels, I mean, I may get a, a couple of views on just regular posts. But if I put a reel on, I get a couple of thousand. And that's what I need to help grow my business. So reels are the way to go. And I know YouTube, it's very hard to grow a YouTube following. Because it, it's kind of more for people to sit down. People are so accustomed to watching videos that are five seconds, a minute, three minutes. So when you have something that's longer, it requires more effort of the person on the other side watching to kind of have the attention span. You know what I'm saying? I know because for TikTok and all that, I, I, I for TikTok, I feel like an old head too because I barely know how to use it. But I have my different stages when it comes to how we post up and manage all of our social media and all our postings. Because it's hard for me to, like you just said, majority of our short clips or short films is either going to mm -hmm. post it on YouTube Shorts or mm -hmm. we only want to post it on Instagram. Other than that, you probably you won't even sit on Twitter. Twitter is more for our personal thoughts and things of that sort. Uh, we don't really use it to post actual content unless it's like saying we got a new episode of stuff coming up. But one of the biggest issues, the reason why I use Instagram Reels is because, like right now, we're averaging about 10 to 13K for all of our videos right now, mm -hmm. only because of Reels. But when I look at my regular postings, it's fucking horrible. But what I realize, <laughs> but also, do you, do you put a lot of tags into like the hashtags and stuff under your posts as well? So something, this is why I recommend having a mentor. Which is why I joined, like, you know, Woman of Lynn, because these are things that I learned that I probably wouldn't have known otherwise. But something that everybody was telling me was when you put the tags in, put it in as a comment and not actually like part of the caption of a post. I don't know why, but it helps to actually push it out more. So I notice sometimes I'll get people, just random people liking the, my posts or commenting, but they don't follow. So, or sometimes I'll have a random person follow, and the next day they unfollow. So it helps a little bit in terms of getting extra eyes, I guess you could say. But I wouldn't, in terms of reels, reels are gonna are gonna help sell your brand no matter what. But the thing is, I want everyone to stop. Everyone always keeps trying to chase perfection when it comes to these reels, Instagram reels. Trust me, just make it. If it looks ugly, yeah. just make it, put it out, and I guarantee you will learn as you go. Because the first mm -hmm. one, I, I still remember to this day when um my my, the, my other two co-hosts from my other show, they wanted me to start dancing. And I was like, everyone know me. I don't do no dancing. I don't only do planning. I only do events. I don't do none of that. <clears throat> but it took me about, what, three to four days to learn one dance move off of TikTok. But as time went on, now I, it takes me about what one to two. It's still gonna take me about one to two hours to learn the dance. But <laughs> trust me, I'll get it down. But I wanted to transition because I'm always like everyone knows me for all my episodes. I like to talk about cost. For being a vegan vegan um, product, I need you. To get, is, is the stereotype still relevant, or is it not? Is it more expensive for your business to operate being solely vegan compared to if it wasn't vegan? So I was, I have two separate vendors. One is for my regular filmic lashes. 
One is for the color foaming lashes. The brand that has the color foaming lashes is the regular, no color to them. The vegan options they had were, I did not like the quality. I didn't like the look. They're, I mean, obviously the mink ones were really beautiful. They specialize actually more in mink lashes, but they just so happen to also have full mink. And I actually found this brand because of YouTube. That's why I owe everything to YouTube to where I am today because I would have never learned makeup. Yeah, right? <laughs> so um, in terms of the foaming lashes, they actually are about the same cost, which is perfect. But I feel like I got lucky in a sense because they were actually cheaper than the mink ones. But the mink ones were... I mean, they're sourcing real mink. So, of course, it's going to be a little... It's not synthetic. And when it comes to the color foaming lashes, like I said, it is more costly for me in terms of... I want to make sure it's quality. I'm not going to be selling something that I wouldn't personally wear. But also, I have to make sure it's completely vegan. And for some reason, color, color foaming lashes are incredibly hard to find. A lot of companies had mink, just mink color lashes. So, and the interesting was, I actually found one vendor that was perfect. Their shipping was fast. The quality was there. The colors were so vibrant. And the crazy thing was when I went to repurchase, they actually went out of business. They didn't have enough people buying the foam mink lashes, they only had foam mink color lashes. They didn't even have regular lashes. It was just color. But the thing is, I don't think color lashes were going to last that long, but it's been a trend for about a year and a half, two years. It's not really going anywhere, especially it's because of TikTok. TikTok has really made some influencers who they are today because, like I said, everybody's scrolling. And when they see one look, they want to copy it. And, you know, then it starts becoming a trend. But then the thing about the beauty industry, like you said, they hop on trends. If they see everyone's on TikTok is doing color lashes or gems, gems have made a comeback. I know a lot of pastel, vibrant colors are now more of a thing. It used to be more soft when the beauty industry is going to pick up on that. They're going to start offering that. But like I said, it's still mink that's being prioritized. But my thing is the reason why I think trends is just coming back around is only because this generation just didn't have the opportunity to experience it. For sure. Because that's why I'm like, a lot of the old school, like, because I was younger, so we was a lot younger. We probably we probably had, like, some variation when we were smaller mm -hmm. on our body. But as we grew up, all those trends went away. We didn't really, wasn't familiar with them. Nobody still practiced those trends until somebody was like, hey, I'm going to go back and do what we used to do. And try it again. And then they're going to try And that's about trends. They go out of style, they come back in style. It's always recycling. It's the same thing with fashion, beauty. Music, you'll notice some artists start sampling older songs. It's the same thing. No one really has That's my issue with the music industry right now. Here. I feel like they're resampling way too many songs right oh, now. Oh, for I agree. Yeah. It's a little out of hand, but everybody has their own personal spin, so that's how it kind of takes off. Yeah. Man, so before I want to I wanna dive into you. So, has your company ever thought about developing, making your very own, like, sourcing the material yourself? Because do you know how to put together, like, a lash yourself together, like, put it together? It's a lot because 
I mean, the lashes we see, there's a lot of individual. I don't think it's something I personally could do. I know someone asked me if I was interested in doing lash applications. I don't. I don't think it's for me. It's a lot of sitting, putting things one by one. Something I will be interested in doing in the future is kind of like expanding into like lipstick or lip gloss. That is a little bit easier to make in bulk than a lash uh, without like a machine. I I don't have the funds to get a machine for lashes, but what type of machine is used to make a lash? Honestly, I'm not 100% sure like what type of machine it is, but it's something that kind of spins it, like hands-fun synthetic. So it's something to give it the fluffiness without looking shiny. That's how a lot of lashes, if they're foam-make, they're going to be like really shiny. They look like plastic. And essentially is a form of plastic, but there's a way to get it to look like it's real hair. That is crazy! Wow, because I, because I, I, I try when I before I started launching the Let's Talk Business series, one of the two businesses I was going to launch was a, a fake nail business or a oh, lash nice. business because those uh-huh. at the time was trending. So, um, one of the persons, I, one of my business partners at that time, we posted up a TikTok. I wanted to test it out because I found this one company and we tried out the nails and they used them, but they never fell off after like what it was like five seven days. So mm-hmm. I was like, and then she did this video of her like, like hitting the nails really hard, playing, but like doing stuff with the nails, and it got like a half a million views. Like we were sitting there like, this is. But the thing is though, when I started doing my deeper research into like who makes the nails and stuff like that, I couldn't find anybody that is willing to give up the information on how they make the nails, the right. machinery that's used to make the nails, or to make. The, it's. I, it seems like. But do you think that's a, a room for opportunity in the industry for individuals to start not not necessarily making, but training and then making more individuals aware of that? Because when I look at the fake nail business, I couldn't reach out to anybody who was willing to give me that formula for how they make them or the gemstones they use and stuff like that. They told me my only option was that I just have to order it from them and that would be it. Like I couldn't even buy the base nail or a package or mm-hmm. a kit. They didn't even give me the opportunity to do any of that. It's definitely a room for growth, for sure. Because I know, like I said, I don't know what machines they use to make lashes. Uh, it's something, it's, a lot of things in the industry are gatekeep. And it's, again, one of those things where you can do all of this research, but you still, at the end of the day, may not have the information, all of the information that you need. And I feel like a lot of times people... Like you said, they want you to buy from them or sometimes, oh, well, I can teach you, but you're going to have to pay for a course. So it's one of the most frustrating things about being an entrepreneur is having a thirst or a desire to expand and you have all these ideas, but then it's making it happen. It's the hardest part. Because like for me, being vegan, I have to make sure going forward, anything that I make or sell is 100% vegan and also cruelty free. I have to make sure it's not, you know, done in some shady circumstance. I don't want to buy lashes that people are like only being paid 60 cents for the hour. You know what I'm saying? So it's the industry, especially the beauty industry, it's very oversaturated and it's very hard to make a name for yourself. I know a lot of people are telling me, why would you want to go into beauty if everybody's doing it? Well, 
in a sense, everybody has a spot, but it's how are you going to stand out? Disrespect, but I feel like every if every <laughs> female celebrity has a line underneath them that's either for skin mm-hmm. or is it for makeup. But I feel like each and every single one of them, because I was I was going through like I, I remember I saw B Simone, she had one. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at all the different brands. But how do you think makeup companies should start setting themselves apart? Because do you feel as though I guess you can't is that creative sailing for what they you you guys can offer? What do you mean? So when I look at the makeup industry, I always think about like the different makeup brushes that you guys currently have and just the type of lipsticks and stuff like that. But I feel as though there's only so much that makeup companies can offer towards how can you vary yourself from another company? Do you feel as though that's going to be a problem for the industry as we continue to move down? So yes and no. Yes, for the fact, I feel like when people start seeing trends and everybody starts doing it and you lose that personality sometimes simple is best because what people want to see is the brand's personality that's what's going to set you apart because you can have the same brush as another company how you sell it how you market it someone may see oh well this brand seems more fun this is more my vibe i'm going to buy from this company rather than that company so it can be beneficial to kind of be one of those brands or businesses that plays it safe and hops on trends. But at the same time, for someone that's trying to stand out, you don't always have to do something extravagant and out there to get people to shop. Usually people are just looking for, like, they're looking for a lash. Oh, I just need a pair of lashes. Let me go pick up a pair. They're not always looking for, I want blue lashes that have sparkles in them. Because that's not really what someone every day just going out is going to work. You know what I mean? You talked about um, the lipstick. Do, what, do you, you said that you wanted to start offering more products and items. What are some more items that you're looking to offer? And then what are some, is there any barriers or challenges due to the material sourcing that you might run into? Yes. So when it comes to um, like lipstick and lip gloss making it, you have to buy the bases and you can buy vegan based bases so a base for a lip gloss is basically what makes it sticky um some of them have gelatin or something in it um but then they also have the vegan option that you can use the only thing is when it comes to sourcing out products and pigments online it doesn't always look the same in person so it's one of those things trial and error again trial and error with everything and the other thing since i want makeup for my brand to be for everyone, I have to make sure, okay, if I come out with neutral tones, it has to work for me, I'm pale, but it also has to work for someone who's a deep complexion. Because I don't want to just have like five lipsticks and only like a quarter of my customers can wear it. That's not fair. This brand is supposed to be for everyone because the other problem I ran into was people would look for vegan options and some companies just don't offer it. So when I tell you this brand for everyone, I mean, it's for anyone who wants to get into makeup, whether they're passionate or not. I know the other barriers to makeup as well, like I said, is pigment. You may see a pigment and it looks great in the pan. It's vibrant. It may be like a very like teal blue, for example. But when you swatch it or put it on the eye, it's patchy. It doesn't look good. Or it may just be like a pastel. It's not as vibrant as you can. So 
again, it's just trial and error. And that's why I love YouTube because you have people, other business owners that say, hey, I've tried this brand and look at it. It looks really good. But again, you may try it and it doesn't work. So, so I was going to say, so has your company had like a photo shoot or a photo op with models where y'all had to take pictures and everything? Yes. So a lot goes into a photo shoot. Yeah, cause I was gonna say, was that was, was that your main? Is that one of your main goals of accurately depicting the the product for the individual? Because I know a lot of other companies now, you may see the posting and the and the woman may be like my complexion or, or or similar to my complexion, but once I got the product, it was nothing like what the actual like the actual um the video or the whatever mm -hmm. the marketing was for it. So, for me, I think the hardest part with the photo shoot is making sure that everything's cohesive because if you have a photo shoot that doesn't make sense it's not going to help and people love seeing like a polished look i definitely want to do more photo shoots it's just the cost and getting people to come on i was lucky to have two friends that were willing to do it free like they were willing to do it they wanted to have photos taken in general so it's kind of a win-win for everyone but when i picked like when it comes to having models I want anyone who's willing to do it to be able to be represented. And the other thing with lashes, these lashes may not look the same on someone else because they have a different eye shape. So it's a way to see the lash up close and polished. When I say polished, you know, they edit the photos so everything looks perfect. But it's a way to see, okay, this is how it looks on her. I like it. I think I might buy them. And because I know when I take pictures on an iPhone. They can be good, but they're not the same as a DSLR camera. And those are expensive. I am lucky enough to actually have a camera. I just don't know how to edit that well. So that's why I do recommend photo shoots, but you have to kind of know how you want to market it and how you want the product to be shown off. Because like you said, you may have it on one model and when you buy the product, it's not the same. So when it comes to pigments and lipstick stuff, I have to make sure, okay, this is one lipstick shade. This is how it looks on different people. Because like I said, this is a new lip for me. It's not going to be a new lip for someone else. That's really good you said that because for the, I went to, because I actually was part of a, so my, so my friend, she's about to launch a makeup, uh, so she was about to launch a makeup company. But for the photo shoot, I ain't never, because the, the individual was concerned with the lighting that was going to balance off the lipstick mm -hmm. color. It was a lighting up in the highlights. They had these like different, um, they brought so many different light boxes, so many reflectors, so many it's different things that was going to balance the light off the different points of the skin for the actual photo shoot. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, I was thinking about doing a photo shoot myself for makeup. And I was like, you know what? I don't even think I want to hop into that because it's, it's so lot. much stuff. Because if this, a lot of individuals say, if this is depicted wrong, a lot of individuals would be your company as like, Mismat, I like mismarketing the actual. You hope you can mess up the entire brand by saying that you're offering a product that's not actually true for a specific skin tone that will cause mm -hmm. a lot of disruption. So I, I could potentially see that being a very bad thing for a makeup company. That's why I, I think that Maybelline and Avon and then spend so much money in their research and design and also for their marketing so they don't run into any issues or problems like that. But I was going to say before we actually end the podcast. Is there anything that you would have done differently for your business when you first started? Um, I think for me, it's to stay focused. When I was first starting, I let a lot of doubt 
self-doubt at least and doubt from other people get to me. And I think now I'm in a place where I am confident. I can say I'm a business owner and I'm doing X, Y, and Z. No one's going to stop me. But when I first started, I think I kept putting things off because I didn't feel confident. I didn't feel like I could do it just yet. And it really took the support system from, you know, my mentor, Ramona Lynn, and from other people who knew about what I was doing, pushing me and saying, I'm really interested. Even an opportunity like this gives me that hope. Okay, I'm doing something right. I'm going to keep going. There's no reason to stop. So just having more reassurance in myself and more confidence. Because I know me, I overthink everything. I'm naturally anxious. So when it came to kind of launching, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know this. I don't know that. In reality, I knew everything because I was researching. But I just didn't have kind of that self-assurance to keep going on. That's why I tell, I tell everybody, you you have to start a book. I, for me, believe when I first yourself. started, yeah, believe in yourself. Because when I first started the podcast, I, I, I didn't believe in myself because I didn't know I could do it until like each and every day I kept getting this sign. Because I'll be at work and somebody random be like, oh, what you doing working here? Like, is this just the beginning for you or something like that? And I'd be like, how you know that? I was like, who told you that? And I was like, I literally I literally sit there and be like, wow, that is such a coincidence. And then somebody else be like, bro, actually, I've been seeing what you was doing. I'm proud of you. And But but the thing was, it took me a while to actually believe what they was actually saying and actually put that mm-hmm. into practice. But like I tell everyone, just do it. Just jump into it. And I guarantee you, it will work out for the better. The only thing that you can find out if you just jump into if you just jump into it, the only thing that you that can happen is you just realize something that's not for you. So that saves you a lot of time and money. So that's mm-hmm. that's what I tell everyone. But being an entrepreneur is not easy. And then I wish back in college and high school, everyone would have told us how hard life actually was going to be. But like I, I feel like, like now social media has glamorized entrepreneurship. And it's not easy and it's not really glamorous. It's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I can't tell you how many times I literally <laughs> I'm like just stressed. But at the end of the day, like when it comes to getting things, you know, putting it all together, it works if you take time. And then if it doesn't, don't beat yourself up about it. I, I did mm-hmm. that too. You never know until you try. But without further ado, I would just like to say thank you one more time for coming on being on a part of our episode today. If you want to be a guest star on any of our future episodes, if you have any topic suggestions for any of the other podcasts, throw it right down in the comment section, or you can DM us, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Did you have anybody that you want to shout out, or did you want to shout out your page and your Instagram and stuff like that? Before we close I'll out? shout out my page. So my um, social media for my brand is at Pags. Dot official tags is spelled C A G G S for anybody who doesn't know. It's actually short for my last name, Adriana. A lot of people don't know how to pronounce my name, and I have people say, "Well, you should do it because there's other Italian brands." People people don't know how to pronounce them. Okay, people pronounce them wrong every day. So tags is short for Adriana. So anyway, tags dot official on TikTok and Instagram. And then if you want my personal Instagram, it's at mighty underscore Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A. Perfect. And that's the full one. I'll catch you guys again Mm -hmm. next week.